The room is something out of a Hollywood set designer's fantasy of what a big city brothel might look like. Plush red fabric draping the windows, silky sheets pulling on the bed, provocative French art on the walls, and a large ornate mirror positioned to take it all in. Something a little funny about that mirror, though. Something about the room itself that just feels off. What is this place? And why does it feel like we're being watched? We're being watched. And they got a small beam of light against the mirror. <laughs> True Weird Stuff. Even the truest, most patriotic patriot who absolutely loves this country can admit that, yeah, actually, there's a whole wagon train of weird lurking around the edges of the American story. Time, though, has done its job of buffing and polishing the facts, scraping away details that are trivial and lurid. This is the romantic business of nation building. You know the story. Thrifty Puritans, scrappy colonists, bold tycoons of industry, serious-minded scientists, and inscrutable government agents all worshiping at the same altar. Truth, justice, and the American way. But along the way to the American way, corners definitely got cut. That's just how the world works, right? We all know it. And if the ends justify the means, well, we usually manage to find a way to be okay with it. Deception in the service of democracy can be a noble thing. And fellatio for the cause of freedom. Wait, what? Fellatio? Freedom? What are we talking about? We're talking about a little government program called Operation Midnight Climax. Mm. Yeah, you heard it right. And it's pretty much just like it sounds. It all went down, so to speak, over about a decade during the Cold War, that 40-plus year-long era of geopolitical jockeying between the USA and the Soviet Union. They called it a Cold War because there was no direct conflict between the two superpowers. It was a battle of ideologies framed by the very real risk of global nuclear annihilation. Exactly the sort of circumstances that breed mass paranoia and also apparently some absolutely demented spycraft. So have you heard of something called MK Ultra? How about you, Max? No, have you ever heard, heard of MK of Ultra? Uh-uh. Oh. Oh my gosh, this is going to be your new favorite thing. MK Ultra is a famous or I should probably say infamous CIA program that explored potential techniques for mind control. You know, brainwashing, hypnosis, mind-altering chemicals, that sort of thing. MK Ultra was in operation for 20 years, partnering with universities, prisons, hospitals, pharmaceutical companies, the US military, all very, very legit, except for one incredibly sticky detail. MKUltra was basically a giant illegal experiment on human beings. Human beings who didn't know what the CIA was doing to them and most certainly did not consent to any of it. Oopsies. 
Now, here's a fun fact for you, Max, since you've never heard of um, MK Ultra. Okay. Um, infamous, legendary um, Boston gangster Whitey Bulger. Yeah. When Whitey Bulger um, was incarcerated early in his criminal career, he was part of uh, a group of inmates that were in the MK Ultra experimental pools, hmm. where they were given um, incredibly strong mind-altering drugs and experimented on. And Whitey Bulger actually talked about his experiences in the MK Ultra program. And there's the usual cadre of government people that are like, that never happened. The government would never do anything like that. And then there's the rest of us going, oh, yeah, the government would never do anything like that. And Operation Midnight Climax, that was part of MK Ultra, And not just in one location. The CIA actually had three brothels all wired for sound and surveillance. There were two in California and one in New York City. And the man in charge, the man whose very specific vision and dramatic taste in interior design who brought the program to life, a journalist turned federal narcotics agent named George Hunter White. This dude, okay? This dude was a real character who probably deserves his own movie. He was super good at being a narc, so much so that in the 1930s, he went undercover and infiltrated this powerhouse drug trafficking ring called the Hip Sing Tong. And he remained in the gang for two years. He took a blood oath to the Hip Sing Tong and cemented his rep as a guy who could be counted on to keep a secret. And George White was about to keep one of the biggest secrets of all. So who the heck is George Hunter White and why is he designing a sneaky spy brothel for the CIA? And what the heck is the plan for this, right? Well, George White wanted to be an FBI agent and he applied for the job multiple times. But I'm guessing that the Bureau saw things in him that just didn't fit their ideal of what a G-man looked like. And it was a disappointment for sure for George White, but not a dead end. Because George White eventually found his way to something called the Office of Strategic Services, the OSS. This was an intelligence agency that was founded by President Franklin D. Roosevelt in 1941 because he was so exasperated and so pissed off by the chaos and lack of coordination when it came to spy stuff and espionage and information in his very own government and military that he said, bring it all together in one place by Jove. Call it the OSS and get me that crazy narc George White in here to run it. Or he said something like that because I'm pretty much guessing at what President Roosevelt actually said. Anywho, I have a fun fact for you. Loads of famous people worked for the OSS because back then we were fighting the Nazis and we were all in absolute full agreement then that Nazis were 100% bad and must be defeated at all costs. Uh, I think we no longer feel that way now, but back then we were unified. We were anti-Nazi. Legendary Hollywood movie director John Ford put in his time at the OSS, and so did that icon of French cooking, the beloved chef Julia Child. And among her many wartime contributions at the OSS, Julie, true story, Julia Child whipped up a recipe for shark repellent for the U.S. Navy. Listen to this. Back then... A surprising number, and I don't know why it never occurred to me to think about this, or maybe it's never occurred to any of us to think about this, but back then, the Navy had a real issue with sailors serving as Scooby Snacks for sharks. It was a significant hazard and a gruesome hazard, 
and Navy Brass was trying to make it be a very well-kept secret. So now, you know, they've got this French chef in the OSS and Julia Child comes up with a shark repellent. And it was great for shipboard morale. And in fact, the Navy was still using it right through the 1970s. NASA even issued Julia Child's shark repellent to their Mercury and Gemini astronauts just in case their capsules managed to re-enter Earth's atmosphere safely and then splash down in shark-infested waters. So can you even imagine an alternate American history where John Glenn got eaten by a great white shark? I mean, holy cow, total disaster for him, the space program, and humanity itself. Thank you, Julia Child, for your shark repellent. But back to George White, who's also in the OSS, and he's spending his OSS time figuring out ways to sneak truth serum into foods eaten by gangsters, suspected communists, and even the occasional conscientious objector who didn't care for their government's policies and practices and procedures. Truth serum. Does that not sound like a subplot from an Austin Powers movie? But it's totally true. And even in the earliest days of government intelligence operations, like right after Roosevelt invented them, there was the work that was being done in plain sight and the work that was hidden behind layers and layers of secrecy and obfuscation and mystery. And those secret corners of the OSS where they were monkeying around with stuff like truth serum, that's where the CIA was born. That's where the CIA came from. So how in the world do we get from Franklin Roosevelt to Julia Child to some pimp's fantasy of a sexy boudoir in San Francisco? And why is there a man lurking behind a two-way mirror watching strangers fornicate? And for the love of God, is that a picture of martinis at his side? What is this? This is Operation Midnight Climax. They tucked it under the wing of the newly formed CIA, and they hid it inside this super-secretive MK Ultra program. A group of professional sex workers recruited by George White lured unsuspecting Johns to the wired-up love nest at 225 Chestnut Street in San Francisco. There, those men were slipped LSD. Then, from behind his special two-way mirror, George White sipped cocktails and observed how the men behaved while under the influence of both powerful hallucinogens and the skillful ministrations of prostitutes all of whom were paid a little bit extra for their efforts and promised that George White would help them should they attract unwanted attention from law enforcement. And if it sounds nuts, it's because it was nuts. Along with being highly dangerous and profoundly unethical, people love to get all nostalgic about the golden days of the 1950s, that idyllic chapter in American life when people were decent and hardworking and knew their place. L-O-L. Like the 50s were ever that pure or innocent. Like any human endeavor is ever that pure or innocent. We just need and want so desperately to believe in our own goodness, you know? To believe in our various lost Edens as a better time just waiting to be recaptured. Remember the sitcom Happy Days? Okay, so that show was set in the years 1955 through 1965. That's when Happy Days took place. While Richie, Potsy, and Ralph Malf were sneaking out at night to watch the Fonz compete in a midnight drag race, the CIA was roofing anyone who served the purpose, from men paying for sex to convicts, soldiers, even their own unsuspecting co-workers. 
What a time, right? They were, they were literally just slipping LSD into people's drinks at work, at parties, and then watching how they reacted under the influence of the drugs. Now, the goal with the Tripping Johns and George White's sex surveillance setup was to figure out the very best ways to use sex and drugs as a means of extracting information. And you have to admit that it does make some sense on paper. I mean, here you've got a dude literally by the balls, and he's tasting colors and seeing music. Under circumstances that wild, getting him to spill a few secrets seems reasonably doable. Plus, the LSD these men were being dosed with was the very purest secret government lab quality. And you also must remember that they had no idea what was happening to them. They went from, hey, handsome, want a date, to tripping on pharmaceutical-grade acid way before Timothy Leary, the 60s, and the coining of the phrase, turn on, tune in, and drop out. These were guys who were maybe just on the prowl for, like, I don't know, a hand job, only to watch that hand turn into a spider or a buzzsaw or a rainbow. Who knows what they experienced in that room? It had to be terrifying, at least for some of them, right? And then when they finally came down from the LSD, who could they tell? This was 1955. You're going to go to the police in 1955 and tell them that last night you hired a prostitute and the next thing you knew, a talking crocodile was asking you to dance and you can't remember anything else, including the address where all of these crazy things allegedly happened? No, no way. Those men wouldn't talk, and the people running Operation Midnight Climax knew it. In that room, drugs slam out of their minds. These men were teased, pleasured, manipulated, and interrogated. The work of keeping the world safe from the red menace of communism was a slippery business for sure, and maybe never more literally than in that room on Chestnut Street. And all the while, George White is watching watching, watching, and taking notes and pouring himself a fresh martini. You know the expression, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life? Here's a man that clearly lived and breathed that philosophy. George White had this to say about his time in the CIA and Operation Midnight Climax. He said, quote, I toiled wholeheartedly in the vineyards because it was fun, fun, fun. Where else could a red-blooded American boy lie, kill, cheat, steal, rape, and pillage with the sanction and the blessing of the all-highest? End quote. And thank you for your candor, I guess. I mean, wow. My first take on White was, the man had to be a voyeur on some level. If not by nature, then definitely by experience. And remember that George White wasn't just following orders. He designed the setting for the whole experience down to making all of the decor decisions for his bug brothel on Chestnut Street. It's kind of hard to not look at that whole scenario and not see some very personal preferences at play. Did White unconsciously design the setting based on his own sexual fantasies? Or was he inspired by every single Hollywood whorehouse trope from the movies to Miss Kitty and Gunsmoke? Or is it possible that humans are actually genuinely hardwired to be aroused by crimson velvet curtains and vaguely raunchy French paintings? It's not my jam, but you do you, Pepe Le Pew. So while our government is dosing unsuspecting men with LSD, and I'm sorry, but that cannot be stated strongly enough, I have to say because we actually did know better in 1955, 
And this was some Bond villain level illegal experimentation on human beings. And our government was running creepy wired up brothels and leaning hard on sex workers to do all of their dirty work, literal and otherwise. Did they at least manage to learn anything useful? Anything? Anything at all? And please, I'd also like you to remember that White not only had a dorm fridge and a portable toilet tuck behind his two-way class, he was slurping down pictures of booze while watching the action. I am begging you, please don't act like my ex-husband would be all argumentative for the sake of being annoying AF and tell me that this was pure science, please. When in the frickety fracking name of Einstein have you seen science done like this? Mythbusters is more scientifically rigorous, for God's sake, than the CIA was with Operation Midnight Climax. So what, if anything, did the CIA learn? Here it is. If you want a dude to spill some secrets, you do not need to dose him with acid, tie him to a headboard, and rock every inch of his hallucinating world. He'll tell you whatever you want to know in the postcoital afterglow while y'all share a smoke. For the love of God, my great-grandmother could have saved the feds millions if they'd only asked her. She knew that. The mind boggles. So eventually, they shut it all down. And it was a pretty good time for White. While it lasted, the sex workers were making extra cash, and the Tripping Johns were having, well, an experience unlike any other, right? By 1965, though, the party was officially over for Operation Midnight Climax. But the parent program it was nestled in, the place it was hiding, MKUltra, that hung on till 1972, at least officially. Because there are people out there who believe that MKUltra never really ended. Of course, there are also people out there who believe that most of Congress is made up of reptilian aliens in skin suits. And I'm not here to argue with either group because I'm not a masochist. And George White, what became of him? Maybe it was all those pictures of martinis, but he died of cirrhosis of the liver 10 years after Operation Midnight Climax was shut down. His widow and third wife eventually took his boxes of papers and files and donated them to Foothills Junior College in California, where the contents no doubt had a whole lot of people whispering WTF to themselves. She didn't realize, I guess, what was contained in those boxes of papers. But it didn't take long for the government to catch on. And today, George White's documents are archived at Stanford University. Operation Midnight Climax. George White, perched on his portable toilet, behind his two-way mirror, the Tripping Johns. This is straight up Austin Powers territory. It's so very crazy. And so very true. It's your tax dollars at work, everybody. WTF. Next time on True Weird Stuff, my entire family lost more than 12 hours in an incident that no one can explain and no one wants to talk about. Sometimes those bright lights ahead of you on the highway ain't the highway patrol. We'll see you next time on True Weird Stuff. 
Your Weird Stuff is a Now Media production. Our executive producer is Anthony Garcia. The show is written and hosted by me, Sherry Lynch, along with my deeply weird director, Max Sweeten. Our equally odd producer is Carrie Bowser. Additional production by the mysterious Stephen Call. Our digital witch and social media cult leader is Heather Furr. Original graphics by Kevin Nash. Original artworks by Olivia Axlin. True weird original music composed and performed by Jack Griffin and Zane Nash. Copyright 2023, Now Media. All rights reserved. All wrongs remembered. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Bob and Cherry Podcast and the Bob and Cherry Oddcast. We would love if you would subscribe, rate, and review and share it with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you go. And thank you again for listening.